turn your Bible to Deuteronomy. We are going to be wrapping up our series in Deuteronomy, and uh, we've been in here for nine or ten weeks uh, so far, and I would love to stay and uh, try to do a couple more sermons here, but I'm going to move on for my Easter series as well, or for our Easter series as we get ready to talk about the resurrection of Christ, and uh, we'll be having a good Friday service, which I'm excited for for that as well, and we'll be doing the Lord's Supper, so that was something you can put on your calendar as well coming up here in the next couple of weeks, and that whole weekend will be uh, really uh, focusing on the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And so this morning as we come to a close of the study of Deuteronomy, it's been a great study. And literally the book of Deuteronomy uh, was full of so many of God's truths. Like it's just packed full of all these wonderful truths. And uh, if you, I hope you commit yourself to read through Deuteronomy again. I hope you commit yourself to study it and to learn it, especially why the sermon series is fresh in your mind and why it's fresh in our hearts. And I'm going to commit to try to continue to study through it. And literally, um, as we looked at this book, it's really like the transitional book in the Old Testament, um, much like the book of Acts in the New Testament. It really connects a lot of those truths together. Uh, and uh, I hope as we learn more about it, as you study more, it'll bring you closer to understanding God's, uh, God, who God is and how God works through His people. And uh, the book literally means the second law, uh, but we learned that it was really the second giving of the same law, because if God were to give us Ten Commandments today, guess what they would be? The same Ten Commandments, because God's revelation is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word does not change. We may change, but God never changes. And so the first time He gave them, you know, obviously we know that nation, rebe- uh, Israel rebelled, and uh, you know, Moses broke the tablets, and then God gave them again the second giving, but the same law, second time He, he, gave, them, uh, he gave them to the nation of Israel. And the Deuteronomy was about 50% of new information and about 50% of review of old information. And uh, as he structured the book uh, through a collection of Moses' sermons, and some people say there are probably four or five sermons, uh, which is, you know, around 34 chapters as well. So you think I preach long. Man, Moses had some long sermons. And uh, so, and, and in the middle of those sermons, you probably had a couple up front. And right in the middle, he sandwiched in the giving of the law, the second giving of the law, and then he it closes out with a farewell sermon or a farewell address to the nation of Israel. The people were the Israelites. When we talk about the Israelites a lot, we talk about, well, who are they? Well, we know they were rescued by God out of Egypt, um, out of the hand of Pharaoh, who had, uh, who had enslaved them, who was ruling over them, and uh, they literally had nothing. They had no land. They had no government, they had no leaders, they had no uh, hope and no promise other than God. They were literally hopeless and helpless as a group of people. They had no military, and literally, they, like I said, they were hopeless and helpless as a people. And the leader, we already talked about him a little bit, Moses, um, he was the same. He was, uh, he was 80 years old at the time God called him to co- go and lead, out, uh, lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, he was running from God. He was living on the backside of a mountain, uh, trying to get away from some trouble he had when he was around 40 years old. And so for 40 years, he was running from God, hiding from God, hiding from all that he knew. And all of a sudden, in a, through a burning bush, uh, God called Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Moses says, you got it wrong, God. I'm not the guy. I have a speech problem. I can never go talk to Pharaoh. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not powerful enough. 
And uh, God says, well, I have a different plan. I have a different plan because you're the guy and you're going to do it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something through you that I couldn't do th- through anybody else. And that's the way it works. God takes nobodies and turns them into somebodies. That's what I love. I love when you read the Bible, you get to the but gods of the Bible. And, and he takes sinners and he makes them saints. He takes uh, hopeless and makes them, uh, turns them into, uh, into heroes. He takes losers and makes them into winners. That's what Aaron was praying for when she married me. She's like, Lord, turn them into a winner. <laughs> and uh, she kind of got robbed a little bit, didn't she? But anyways... He, he takes those things and he has a different plan. And in our lives, never give up on what God could do in your life. It may look hopeless. It may look helpless. But that's exactly when God enters the equation. He's the one that changes everything. And when you read the nation of Israel's story, they would have been like any other nation that was oppressed, any other nation that was going to go by the wayside. But God entered the story. And when God entered the story, it changed the history of the world. And same with Moses. Moses was a nobody. Moses was, was somebody who would never even be known by anyone, much less when God entered the equation. Guess what? It all changed. And now today, we're talking about Moses. Even to this day, Moses is one of the most revered leaders of the nation of Israel ever. And, and the Moses uh, through, uh, God through Moses did something he could do with nothing else. And in your life, maybe you look and say, well, my life is hopeless. My life is helpless. What can I do for God? Don't leave God out of the equation. It will amaze you what God could do through you and in you. And it has amazed me in my life. I've told this story many times before. When I was in high school, I would have never dreamed of being a preacher. And you say, well, you're not much of one now. But anyways, I'm at least trying. And, and I couldn't believe God would want to use me uh, in my personality, in the way that I uh, introverted and not, not wanting to be the center of attention or everybody looking at me. You guys are scary looking. You know that, right? You guys are intimidating looking. I tell Josh all the time, he's like, you know, you need a smile up there more. He goes, I know, I try, but they look mean. I'm like, oh, they're not really that mean. But you guys, it's amazing how when you see how God works in people's lives, in my own life, he, he's taken me. And when God's entered the equation, what he's done for my marriage, what he's done for my family, what he's done in this church, what he's done in me as a calling on my life. Man, I couldn't imagine God not being a part of my life. And in your life, if, you're, if you think you're hopeless or helpless, you need God in your life. And when God enters your equation, it changes everything. And he took the nation of Israel. He took Moses and he, he delivered them uh, across the Red Sea. He took them through the wilderness and he brought them right to the brink of the promised land. And he says, this is your land. Go in and take the land. Well, they compromised, right? They shrank back in fear and said, God, we can't go in there. There's fortified walls and there's giants in the land. There's no way we can win this battle. And God says, okay, well, you're disobeying me. And one of the guiding themes we saw in Deuteronomy is when we disobey God, there's always consequences, right? And if you're a good parent, by the way, this is the way you should parent your children. Anytime they do something disobedient to you, there should always be consequences, right? When there's consequences for being disobedient and with God, there's no, there's no exception. He says, because of your disobedience, you will not see the promised land, talking to that generation, and Moses, you will not enter the promised land. You will not lead them into the promised land. And so um, God took Moses in the nation of Israel, and as they fell short to do what God has completely told them to do, sent them back into the wilderness. But God wasn't finished with them yet, because God never gives up on us. He never runs out on us. He, he takes them, and He says, I'm going to use you, though, to train the next generation. 
And the next generation is going to do what you could not do. And Moses, the next leader, who will identify as Joshua as well later, he's going to do something that you couldn't do either. Now, if you love Bible history and you love a little bit of prophecy and scripture, and you love the, the type of Christ in the Old Testament, um, this is a perfect picture of this, by the way. Because Moses and the people represented the law and the nation of Israel, which fell short of the total and complete redemption of God. But Jesus comes along through the church and does what? Does what the law couldn't do in our life. And it's a great picture of it. Because when you think about it in our life, it is what Christ has done. And through the resurrection of who he is, which we'll talk more about that through Easter, that he does something for us. Or he does something through us and in us that the law could not completely do, which is a very great picture of it. And so uh, if you want to read more about it, you can study more about that. But in, in, the, in the prophecy of that and the type of Christ in that, but Moses fell short. The nation of Israel fell short. And so uh, God takes the book of Deuteronomy here and he's leading them. And he shows us uh, this series of review that Moses puts them through. And because of their lack in faith and trust in God, because they didn't, agree, didn't obey God completely, they were sent back into the wilderness. But as we have worked our way through this progress, God prepared them, God restored them, and God, the older generation is passing away. Moses is going to pass the baton to Joshua. And what we're going to get to this morning is the beginning of the last message that Moses had for the nation of Israel. These are his final address. These are, this is what you would call his swan song, I guess. And uh, they said it's not over until the fat lady sings. Well, the fat lady's about to sing for Moses, okay? And he knows it. And so he's going he's gonna to tell the nation of Israel what, they, what he uh, believes in his whole heart and life, what life is all about. He's going to challenge the nation of Israel. He's going to challenge Joshua, and he's going to try to give them wisdom and encouragement. And I'm going to only read the first eight verses of chapter 31, but I encourage you to read the rest of 31 all the way through 34 to get Moses' whole picture of what he tells them. But I'm going to try to sum it up this morning in, 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 in uh, Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 8. So I want to begin reading the first two verses. If you've got a Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 and 2 says this, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Well, Moses has come to the conclusion of his life, and he knows it's, it's happening. And, and he knows that uh, he, he comes to a point where he realizes it's just not going to keep continuing any longer, that Moses' life is drawing to an end. And you know, for us, it's a great thing to remind ourselves that things don't last forever, right? And we don't last forever. And when I was younger... You know, I thought when I was in high school, like uh, my senior year was never going to come. I thought it was like an eternity. You know, I was like, I'm going to be in school the rest of my life. You know what I mean? I was like, it's an eternity. It was like forever. And then I graduated high school and then quickly I graduated college and then all of a sudden I was married and then I had kids and then I got gray hair and then I gained about 40 pounds and all of a sudden I started having fatigue and tiresome and the, and the three B's of growing old, baldness, back pain and bunions, right? And all of a sudden all this stuff begins to happen, memory loss and your eyesight begins to go. You get Chester drawers. You know what that is? That's when your chest ends up in your drawers. That's the way it happens. But anyhow, uh, you get all these things and you look and sometimes I walk by the mirror and think, someone broke in my house. I'm like, oh no, that's me. <laughs> like, I don't even get me started as parents. 
As parents, you, you have a 19-year-old, I have a 19-year-old boy. I call him boy, but I know he's a, he's a man. And yet when people, when I talk to him and I see him talk or I envision him as this little bitty toddler still. And I think, where did the time go? He's already grown. And then we have a 17-year-old son. We have a 12-year-old daughter who's going on 30. But anyways, you got, you got the whole process of seeing these little kids and it goes so fast and you think, when you have little kids, it's going to last forever. I know. I was there as a parent. You're thinking, man, they're never going to get out of diapers. They're never going to stop doing this. They're never going to stop doing that. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they're grown up and they're moving away and you're losing your grips on them. It happens so fast. It happens so fast in life. And the reality of life is that death is closer than you think. And for Moses, he knew it was right around the corner and he was going to tell the nation of Israel that your life's going to go fast and you're coming to the conclusion and mine is right here at the end. I'm 120 years old. I know this is it. I'm coming to the end. And some uh, pastor said, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die, right? And Moses was ready to die. His purpose uh, for God had come uh, to a close and he knew that's when his life was going to be uh, gone, but he wanted to be sure what he left behind was a spiritual legacy. In this letter, in what Moses says to them, you're not going to read about how much money Moses had. You're not going to read about how big Moses' house was. You're not going to read about how much popularity Moses had. You're not going to read about any material thing. What you're going to read about is his relationship with God and his challenge of a spiritual legacy that he wants to leave behind. And I challenge you this morning, if we, if we get anything out of Moses' last song or his last message here, it's a question to ask yourself, if your life ended this week, what kind of message would you be leaving to your children and your grandchildren? What kind of message would you be sending behind? Would you, would you be sending the message that your job is more important than your family? Would you be sending the message that money means more than morals? Would you be sending the message that pleasure means more than serving God in your life? Because what the, the reality of it is that, you know, you can say what you want people to say at your funeral. You know, I meet with people sometimes and say, now when I have my funeral, I want you to say this and I want you to say that. But you know what the reality of it is? That you've already preached your funeral by the way that you live. Every day that you live, you're preaching your funeral. And we can say you were a good person, but if everybody knows you were a knothead, then everybody's going to say, hey, we know he wasn't like that. By the way, I've never been to a funeral where somebody didn't like somebody or they weren't the nicest person ever, right? We all say the same thing. They were so great. They were so nice. And everybody walks away going, that wasn't who that was because they didn't live their life like that. And Moses is challenging them for us. Every day you live, you are preaching a sermon. You are preaching your funeral and the message that you leave behind, what will it be? What will your message be? Well, Moses comes and he is going to preach his own funeral. He comes now and he's going to say, here's the message that I want you to get. Here's my final message to the people of God, to the nation of Israel, and to Joshua, the new leader. In verse 3, he begins, he says, The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, and the kings of the Amorites in their lands. And when he destroyed them, the Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. And verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. 
Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Wow. I mean, what a message. I mean, like if I could say that at my end of my life, I mean, as Moses addresses all of Israel and then he addresses Joshua specifically, he comes to them and says, as a group of people, as God's people, here's what I want to say to you, but also to Joshua personally. Now, you got to think Joshua had some fear in his eyes, right? I mean, here was Joshua about to take over for Moses. I mean, that was like, I mean, that was just crazy. Like, he, he just couldn't believe that God was going to use him in the way that he used Moses. So Moses was not only talking to the group of people, he was talking to Joshua personally as a young man, as, a, as one who was going to step into the role of, of Moses. And he looks and Moses tells him and he tells, he tells the whole group. And so understand this message to, uh, from Moses, understand that it talks about the group of God and the people of God, but it also talks about Joshua personally. And so this morning, as we uh, look to these truths, I want to apply them to not only us together collectively, but to you personally, to your life personally. How can you put these to work in your life? What would the message of Moses be to you and to me? Well, first, there was only one command in all these scriptures. There's only one command. There's only one command that God, that Moses gives through inspiration of scripture, one admonition. And verse 6, he says, be strong and of good courage and do not fear them. That's what he says. It's all together. Be strong and of good courage and do not uh, be afraid of them. Then in verse 7, he says, be strong and of good courage again to Joshua. So he comes and says, here's the command. You be strong and you be courageous and do not fear. And I mean, Moses is commanding them as well. First, and foremost, be committed to God totally. Be committed to God. He says, first, uh, above all else, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in your commitment to God. And as we know, we've worked through Deuteronomy. The law is the law. But Deuteronomy digs a little deeper. And when you get behind the meaning of the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments as we had studied, had everything to do with your heart before God. How committed to God are you really? And God begins by saying, have no other God before me, period. Make no graven image. Keep me first in your life, 100%. And he says, your commitment to the Lord should be to him, 100%. I mean, all the way. Like committed to the Lord. Uh, it was all sink or swim with God. But whatever happened, you are 100% committed to God. And Moses comes and he said, I, I want to tell you, first and foremost, you must be 100% committed to God in your heart. And if you're committed to God in your heart, then you will have good courage and you will not fear. But if your commitment to the Lord is not right, you will lack courage and you will have fear instead of faith and you will not live out the promises that God has given us. And so many times in our life, this is where really the, the rubber meets the road for us. This is really where we get to the point where it really uh, separates those who do great things for God and those who stay mediocre for God. And, and he's telling the nation of Israel, he's telling Joshua, if you want God to do something great in your life, be committed to him 100%. 
And you know, Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this because when he told his disciples, he said, uh, first and foremost, he said, I want you to come after me, but I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. There was a commitment involved. Like salvation is free and to come to Christ is something that has been provided by the grace and mercy of God, but the discipleship's going to cost you. A discipleship takes sacrifice. So sacrifice, I mean, discipleship takes commitment. And Moses was telling the people that you must be full of commitment 100% to God. And you know why? Because it's not easy. It's not easy. Listen, their jobs was not to defeat the, the giants, and they would. It was not to tear down the walls because they would. It was not that they were to do all these things. Their, their, their command was to be committed to God in their hearts. And every time that God had called them to do something, every time that God ha- had them do something, they must dedicate their hearts to the Lord. And if they did that, they were blessed. And if they didn't do that, they suffered the consequences. And Moses saw that over and over and over in his life. And for us today, that's what we need in our world today. We need husbands who will stand up and be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of what the world says. We need fathers who will stand up and lead their children and nurture and admonition of the Lord, regardless of what the world says. We need wives and we need children and we need young people. We need old people willing to stand up and say, I'm in it for God, 100%. Like, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what our society says. I'm committing 100% to God, and my heart is all God's. It's 100% totally committed to the Lord. And when you do that, God will give you courage. You will have faith in God. You will not be full of fear. Because when you get full of fear, you won't ever do good things for God. You won't ever do great things for God. Uh, You know who got this really well? Joshua. One of my favorite verses in Joshua chapter 24, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Man, what a declaration. And if you walk out of here this morning, if you would just stand and say, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what God calls me to do, no matter wherever I may go, I am 100% committed to God. And as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Man, let me tell you, God can use somebody like that. God can use somebody like that to change the world. God can use somebody to do that something uh, that, through something that no one else could do. And that's what we need in our world today. We have too many Christians who want to be Christians in name only. We have Christians who want the, all the, the names and we want all the promises, but we want no commitment. It doesn't work that way. Moses is saying, you want God's blessings, you got to be willing to commit to the Lord. And the command is to be committed to God. And when you're not committed to God, you lack courage and you have fear. You know what fear does? Fear paralyzes you. Fear means that you freeze up. Fear means that God called you to do something and you don't do it. That's what happened in the nation of Israel. They got right to the promised land and they got full of fear because their commitment to God had waned. And what happened to them? They were a sitting duck for the, for, for, for the, for the enemy. We've been working on a job and out in sawgrass and they have a big pond there and they have these, uh, you know, all these sorts of animals going around there and fish and they have squirrels and even rats. Yes, there's rats in sawgrass as well and field mice and different things. And around there, you notice there's a lot of hawks, right? And these hawks are flying all around. You know what the hawks are doing? They're intimidating people, right? They're intimidating these little animals. And when the hawk goes to swoop in, if that animal freezes just for a moment, guess what? He's a goner, right? I mean, he's gone. I mean, like that, that thing, you get away from him. But as soon as the fear sets in and that, that little animal freezes, the hawk swoops in and he gets him. And that's exactly what happens in our life. 
When we're not committed to God and we lack courage and we get full of fear and we don't do what God calls to do, that's when the enemy swoops in. That's when the enemy swoops in in our marriages and our homes as as parents. We shouldn't be like that. Joshua and, and Moses as well as he's commanding Joshua, he's commanding the people of God, be strong. 100% 100% committed to the Lord. Be full of courage. Don't, don't, don't shrink back. And be full of faith and not fear. And do what God has called you to do because you'll never regret it. You know why you won't regret it? Because the promises will be true. You know what the promise is? Look at verse 6. He comes now and he says in verse 6, if you do that, here's the promise of God. Number 6, be strong and of good courage. Uh, do not fear or nor be afraid of them. But here it is. For the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. There's the promise. If you trust in God and you're 100% committed to Him, the Lord your God will go with you. The Lord your God. And now for us as Christians, maybe we don't quite understand the, all that comes into the name of God, but the nation of Israel will understand that name. You know why they would understand that name? Because they saw physical deliverance from God. When they called out on the name in Egypt and God delivered them, they saw the plagues. They saw the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. They saw them actually flee from a nation they thought they could never get away from. And they saw God for who He was greater than any God that anyone else could call upon. They saw God at the Red Sea. Imagine this picture. Here was, here was the nation of Israel, and they had the Red Sea in front of them, and they looked back, and they had the chariots and Pharaoh's uh, people coming towards them, and they were standing there like, God, what are you going to do now? Because we can't go forward, and we can't go backwards. Did you leave us out here to die? And God says, no. And he tells Moses, take your staff and put it in that water, and I'm going to part the Red Sea. Imagine that. And you know what? Moses, full of faith and courage, he put that staff in the water, and guess what God did? God parted the Red Sea. It was God's first aquarium. He just stacked that water right up on both sides. And all of a sudden, they traveled through on dry ground. They saw that. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the cloud. They saw the the Shekinah glory of God come down. They saw the law of God given. They knew what the name of God was. And Moses tells them, if you have this trust and faith in God, that God... He's that, that God is going to go with you wherever you go. And let me tell you, as long as you have God, no matter where you go, you're going to be all right. And no matter what happens in your life, you're going to be all right. For that kind of God's going to go with you and his presence is going to fill you. And everything you face in your life, you're not going to do it in your own power and your own strength. You're going to have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob there with you. And for us this morning, you don't have to face your marriage alone. God will be there with you. For you this morning as a parent, raising your kids in a wild and wicked and crazy world. And let me tell you, it is. I know I have teenagers and I have, I'm raising kids uh, uh, now through school. And the things that Courtney comes home and tells me that she faces it every day in sixth grade, it's absolutely crazy. It's unbelievable. But you know why I have faith and trust and I still have hope? Because I know who God is. That no matter where she goes or where I go or where our family goes, if we're committed to God, we have the God who can do anything there with us and walks through every single step of the way. Let me tell you, that God has been there. That God has been there in our church. He's been there. And God has taken our church. He's taken a group of believers. And I could tell testimony after testimony how God has healed people, how God has restored marriages, how God has restored families, how God has provided for families and for our church in ways that no one else could ever provide. No one. 
Like there's no way that this could happen without God. And with God on your side, Moses is telling the promises, wherever you go, whatever you face, God is walking you through it. Highs and lows. And let me tell you, there's going to be highs and lows. He didn't tell them wherever you go and whatever you do, you're not going to have any troubles or trials. No. He tells them you're going to face walled cities. You're going to face giants. You're going to face battles. But he tells them the promises that God will be with you wherever you go. And you know, I, I always wake up every morning when I see something and something tears my heart, like on the news, watching some of the stuff from Ukraine and some other things in life. And you hear these stories of, of family tragedies and you hear all these things. It always begs the question in my heart, what do people do without the presence of God in their life? What do they do? Because it's not if the bottom falls out, it's when the bottom falls out in life. And I could promise you, if the bottoms never fell out in your life, it's coming. Because by the time you get done with life, the bottom's going to fall out. And you're going to realize that this world is not all that it is. This is not the promise. This is not, this is not God's kingdom. This is not what, what we're going to have in heaven. This is, this is the earth. This is sin-stricken. This is cancer-stricken. This is disease-ridden. And as we walk through those things, the Bible says when we trust in God and we have courage in Him that He will go with us no matter where we go. Single or married, old or young, if you trust in God, He will walk with you and His presence makes all the difference in the world. Let me tell you, my kids, now when they were growing up, since Tucker's friend here, I'm going to embarrass him as well. Tucker was scared of the dark. Was, okay? He's 19 now. He's not scared of the dark anymore. Unless you jump out behind the truck and scare him or something. But anyways, I remember when I was a kid, when he was growing up, my, my dad would always tell him, Tucker, I'll give you $20 if you run around the house right now as a dark. Tucker would be like, <laughs> I think the closest he got, he opened the door one time, then he jumped back inside. But anyways, if he would have to take, the, take out the uh, trash or to go sleep in his room or anything like that, he'd always want me to go with them. And I thought, well, me going with you wouldn't change anything. He said, yeah, because if anything bad happens, you can take care of it. Like, because as long as you're with me, I know I can face anything and whatever's out there, you can help me overcome. And you know, that's a perfect picture of God's presence in our life. I, I can't sit here and tell you as a Christian, you'll never get cancer. But I could tell you, if you get the phone call when the doctor says you have cancer, God will be with you in that moment. He will be with you. I can't say you won't ever have a rebellious child because I've known great, sweet, committed Christians who have uh, prodigal children and runaway children. Guess what? I can't promise you that, but I can promise you through every step of that, God will be with you every single day. I can't promise you that you're, and your life's going to be great and your marriage is always going to be great. You'll never have a failure in a relationship. I can't promise you that. But when it comes, I can promise you that God can walk you through it every single day of your life. The promise is not that everything's going to be great and easy. The promise is that wherever you go, whatever you face, God's presence will be with you. And that God will be there on your best day, and he'll be there on your worst day. And the promise rings true because he finishes it by saying, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you say, well, that's in the Old Testament, Pastor. Well, in Hebrews, it says the same thing, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And I could tell you, the fear of the Lord is the God who can. And as you fear the Lord and you trust in God and you walk through every one of those things, and no matter what you've been through, high or low, God's presence is there and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And whatever's in your future, whatever's in my future, 
Whatever the next year holds, we never know what the next year holds. But I can promise you that as the promise, as we stay committed to God, we trust in the Lord and the faith in God in ourselves, no matter what it's in our finances or in our marriages, in our homes or with our children or with our health, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I can tell you in my life, he has been there. He is a faithful God. God has been way more faithful to me than I've ever been faithful to him. I'm so glad that God doesn't look to see how faithful I am before how faithful he is. Even in my failures, God picks me back up, puts me on my feet again. Trust me, I may not have received all the blessings of God I should have from being obedient to the Lord, but I can promise you every time I mess up, every time I go back to God, every time I pray to restore my life back again, guess what? He does it. He's there. He is faithful. And every time I think I hit rock bottom, every time I get bad news, every time something's coming to my life and I think this is not right, this is not fair, I can't take it anymore, God's still presence is still there. And I know in the future, He's going to be there for me. And Moses says, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm 120 years old now. God will never leave you and He never forsakes you. And you know what the good news is? Not just in this life, but the life to come. You know, that one day when we cross that bridge over into eternity, guess who's going to be there? Guess who was there to meet Moses? God was. When you die and you go over into eternity, guess who's going to be standing there? It's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus Christ. And when he comes there and you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you know God and you have faith and trust in him, guess who's going to greet you? God's going to greet you. And he's going to say, I've never left you and I've never forsaken you. And we're going to live in eternity with God. How does it get any better than that? I mean, it doesn't. And Moses comes and he says, be strong, be of good courage, not because everything's going to be great, but because the presence of God's going to go with you and the God who can do anything and everything in your life is never going to leave you nor forsake you no matter where you go or what you do. Man, what a message. Could that, would that be your message this morning? Is that your message to your kids and your grandkids? Is that your message, message as, a, as us as a church to the next generation? That if you trust in God and you believe in Him, that His presence will go with you and He will do things in your life that no one else could ever do? You know, as you look back over your life, just think of some of the things that happened in your life that you knew without God you didn't have a chance. And think about the times when you were at your lowest of the lows and God's presence was still with you. And even thinking in the future that you know no matter what you face. No matter how crazy this world gets and no matter what happens with World War III or food shortages, I'm kind of worried about the food shortages thing, to be honest with you. But anyways, hopefully they'll still have Krispy Kreme donuts. But anyways, you guys wouldn't come without the donuts. But anyways, uh, I'm teasing. But no matter what happens as you face those things, no matter what happens when I look into my children's futures, no matter what I look to that's going to happen in this country, no matter what I look to what's going to happen in this world, guess what? God is able and he's a faithful God. And the message should be same, whether you're young or you're old, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you know that God is with you. He is walking with you. And as Moses would say, he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. That's what you should be leaving behind. You know, your kids don't care how much money you have. Your kids don't care what kind of house you're going to leave. Your kids don't care how popular you were. You know what? They're going to need to hear a spiritual legacy of your relationship with God and how God has walked with you and how God is willing to walk with them up to a thousand generations. That was our our main scripture. All the way up to a thousand generations, that's how faithful God is and to leave that message. And if you're not sharing that message, what a great day to start sharing that message. You can write your own story. From this day forward, you can say, this is the day that I committed my heart to God 100%. 
And no matter where I went, if I was going to college, or if I was going, uh, uh, getting married, if I was uh, uh, having a child, I committed my heart to the Lord 100% from that day forward. God was with me, and He had gone before me. He's going with me now, and He's going to go with me in the future because I'm trusting in God. That's the message. That's what Moses wanted us to know, and that's what we should want to know and our children should know. Let's pray together this morning.